0: Bills Live, presented by Kaleida
1: Health. All right, here we are on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is the show as we plow our way through the free agent period and get ever closer to the NFL Draft 2023, which will be held in Kansas City this year, of all places. Great, so we can watch Chiefs fans celebrate again I after hate that. winning the Super Bowl. Not really looking forward to that part of it, but whatever. Um, and so we're just over a month away from the NFL draft, which mm-hmm. is April 27th 30, to the 29th. 36 days.
0: Like a little that. over
1: a month. And uh, yeah. we're we're inching our way to it and, you know, getting ready for it. And more and more mock drafts keep flying around, Steve. And I know you were glued to Daniel Jeremiah's latest iteration. Yeah, he's all. Over t-
0: they, he was caught today saying that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a perfect fit in Buffalo. If you take out all the financials and push them to the side, D Hop would fit with Buffalo perfectly. He's got a spot for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Great. Then we got mock draft Quentin Johnston. He's a 6'4", 215 hundred fifteen pound wide receiver out of TCU at number twenty seven. I'm like this very second. I'm looking at a highlight reel of him that he likes. Oh, no, he's a night. nice player. Yeah, he's a nice player. Big, tall, pull kid. away
1: speed. Yeah. Explosive weapon. Uh, perfect to come in and, and,
0: you know, just add to the mix. Uh, TCU guy. Good run so after catch. Yeah. I mean, he's got big, long stride yeah. and covers a lot of ground. Uh, would be a p- matchup problem for some athletes in the secondary. You know, they. Mm-hmm. You know they just, and you know, well, it's fun. We'll see. He he's and he got him he's as, a chance to be there. He's at got him
1: as his fourth receiver coming off the board. He's got Addison, right. and Jigba, and then he's got. Let me see here. Zay Flowers, all ahead of him coming off the board. So he has Addison at twenty to the Seahawks. Zay Flowers at twenty one to the Chargers. Um. And then the first receiver, I think he had going to the Titans. Yeah, Smith yeah, and Jigba to and the Jigba. Titans at 11. Smith and Jigba, incidentally, is at Ohio State's Pro Day today. He is the only receiver that is draft eligible who is participating in the workouts today. Early reports are he ran a four-five-three and a 4-5 in his 240 times, which in my estimation, is good enough, fast enough for what he is, which is arguably the best route runner in the entire draft class. That's called fast enough to do what he does. Smart Scout once told me, it's not about how fast you run on the watch, it's how well you run routes. Because running routes has everything to do with football. Running fast only has... Something to do with football. There is a cutoff point. You can't be a receiver in this league running a four-seven. Sure, the but you run four-five. You run under four-six, and you're a great route runner. You can still be productive. Steve Largent wasn't a fast guy. The,
0: was, yeah, all these guys are faster than you might think as a regular everyday person. But the the difference is this, and it's obvious. How well can they change directions? Yeah. A four-three guy. Going running at a 4-3 pace, if he can change directions that fast, that's elite. That's something that's, that's rare. Most guys, <clears throat> because of the pressure that it puts, particularly when you use good technique in route running where your shoulders are over the top of your feet and you're doing with good form so you're not giving away where you're cutting and all that kind of stuff, it puts so much pressure on your lower legs, your ankles, and your feet it's hard to change directions doing it with perfect technique. Guys who can do that usually don't run for, you know, four threes because it, the speed and the momentum puts so much pressure on your body when you come in and out of breaks. Four or five guys, the momentum's not quite that much, and you can get and if you can explode out of it, which is why they, which is why they measure these guys how far they can jump, how high they can jump, how powerful they are the explosion coming out of the break is just as important as the speed getting into it. So all of that works hand in hand. You four or five guys are can be elite receivers. They really can. Because I'll say this, once you're in the league for three years, you're not running that forty time that you ran at the combine anymore. You're you're just too there's too much wear and tear on you.
1: Well, yes. That's but valid. You,
0: but when you explode out of breaks and when you can get change of direction, change of direction is just as important as speed to a wide receiver uh, for obvious reasons. Because I can to get separation.
1: Yeah. And there are there is such a thing as play speed though, too. Mm. When your adrenaline's going and you got somebody chasing you, you know, trying to tackle you. Human that, nature makes you run a little bit faster. That's why slow guys look like they play fast
0: because they get to that top speed as, as slow as it may be, they get to it real fast and they can change direction really well at a, at that speed even though when it's opened up guys can run them down but when they they can't change direction as mm-hmm. fast as that person. So, if you've got great change of direction, great in and out of breaks, you can be slow by NFL standards and still get separation and be a really effective wideout. Yeah. That's that's you know, you got to watch film on these guys. You got to see how they play when the heat is on, and because you, you can't tell all the time
1: by looking at your watch. Right. So the Ohio State Pro Day is being heavily attended. Everybody's Thirty there. of thirty-two teams are represented in person at the Pro Day. I wonder what the other two teams are doing. Are they busy somewhere else. You, like, you, the, those uh, guests, those other two teams
0: are the ones that are absolutely going to draft somebody at Ohio State, and oh. they already know who it is.
1: Yeah. So they don't need to go. <laughs> they, don't even, they don't want anybody to know. But we saw some photos from Columbus, and GM Brandon Bean is on site taking in the Ohio State Pro Day.
0: Dayball's there. Mike Joe Tomlin's there. there. Mike Tomlin's Tomlin there. had
1: dinner with the two tackles last night, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones, who both could come off the board in round one. It's possible although DeJuan yeah. Jones may last until the early stages of round two. Um, so, yeah, there, there is a bounty of prospects there who will probably get drafted. And, I mean, the big names are obviously C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Dewan Jones, Paris Johnson. But there are others, safety Ronnie Hickman, defensive end Zach Harrison. I mean, these aren't guys that are going to go on day one or maybe even two, um, but probably will get drafted. So, we uh, we shall see if reports come out from there. Like we said, we already told you, Smith and Jig was 40 times, 4-5 and four five three, which is about where he was expected to run. So, that's a good thing uh, and only solidifies his draft stock. And some people, including NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah, believe he could be the first receiver off the board as early as 11 to Tennessee. That's what he has in his latest mock draft, so... Take it for what it's worth. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's, I think there are going to be a wide range of opinions on the receiver class because there are no slam dunk alpha males. So then it becomes an exercise in what's your favorite flavor. Do you want the best route runner in the class? Well, then you like Smith and Jigba. Do you want the best size speed prospect? Well, then it's probably Quentin Johnston. So, all that, all of that goes into the mix in terms of what your preferences are. I and, think, and from team to team, they're going to be different. Yeah, and, I, and I, yes, exactly,
0: because they're going to put, they're going to mix those top guys up in a little bit. They like them better, and particularly given the fact that all of those guys that they're looking at, like the needs of the Giants are different than the needs of the Bills at wide receiver. Um, do, yeah, if if you got these guys pretty close, do you take the big body guy or do you take the guy that's a little faster? um, Maybe a a more varied skill set. Teams prioritize that stuff differently. And it's, you know, plus, you don't know if they want that receiver more than they want the offensive lineman at that point, you know, wherever that may be. It's, it's easier, it's a little more cut, and this is why they do mock drafts in that first round. It's a little more cut and dried in that first round when you kind of got, got a snapshot of what everybody's looking at. But as the days go on through that draft, nobody has any idea who anybody's going to take because, A, they don't know who's available after that because they couldn't get it right on their mock draft in the first round. And the second round... You don't know what their board looks like. They may have, like, linebackers and safeties high on their board, and you're thinking they're taking running backs and tight ends. You know? It's just – that's mock drafts are, drive you crazy. hmm <laughs> But I can't stop looking at them. Yeah, you're – I can't stop. <laughs> you're <laughs> lapping them up like chocolate I'm, pudding. I'm neck deep in them. That's what I – because I want to know. I go, okay, if this if this guy's mark says this guy may be available, then because at twenty seven it's all different
1: than it is at top ten. Well, it's, and it's hard to predict what's yeah. going to happen down there. You know there are going to be trades made, especially at the top with all this jockeying for the quarterback prospects. So, what we see on paper right now in terms of the order of those picks, that's going to get turned topsy turvy just to begin with. Right. So if you're changing the picks predicting what the players are going to be that come off the board, forget it. There's yeah. just no way to know. I mean, we know that Brandon Bean in his personnel department, they go through an inordinate number of mock scenarios in in the final couple of weeks leading up to the draft where everybody's assigned a team and they just kind of walk through it. And then they'll use trades and do some other things and flip the board around just to try to, Come up with as many possible scenarios as there could be, and you know, hopefully, you get close to one of what actually happens, which then makes your decision making all the easier because it's you almost feel like you had a dry run already. Right. Right. It's
0: you, you can drive yourself crazy with it, but oh, you can tie yourself in knots. Right. But in no time flat, and I and I, you don't. The problem is, I mean, Brownie and I are, were. We're neck deep. We're eyeballs deep in the Bills stuff, their needs, their signings, what it means, where their history's been, how they got to this point. The cap,
1: space, you the know. cap space.
0: The cap space, the possible releases, the possible trades, the guys they think they can live without but could maybe get some – all that stuff. And uh, Bills fans, a lot of them are just like Brownie and I. I don't know anything about what the Bucks are doing. Right? I don't know where the, I don't know what the, you know, the Dolphins okay, maybe a little bit more because they're in a division, but the rate all these 26 teams that are ahead of us in the draft, dude, it's just as complicated for them as it is for the Bills. I don't know who's going to, it would be awesome. This guy, it'd be awesome. Some of these, we're going to get a really good player. There's just no doubt about it. They're going to get a really good player at 27.
1: And I can't even tell you what position he's going to play right now. Yeah, it's too far down to make a call. Like if your team's picking 5 or 6, you can whittle it down and That's, yeah, make an educated guess.
0: And it's we've said 27, forget it. It's going to get even more difficult because 2 weeks ago before free agency started, is they got they got to get an offensive lineman first round. They got to or a safety. I mean they got now 2 weeks later it's like eh, yeah, maybe not so much now, maybe de tackle, right? Everything changes. And, oh, gosh, it's driving, driving me crazy. Yeah. It's driving me crazy. I, it's so, great. Before we
1: get to some of the news of the day, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know why, but I participated in a question that was sent out by our good friend Kyle Brandt on social media. He was wondering <laughs> what public etiquette ticks you off. And his big one is the elevator etiquette, people who don't let the people getting off the elevator get off before they barge their way on. He said you'd be surprised as to how many people don't understand what proper elevator etiquette is. If there are people on the elevator and you're waiting to get on, you let them get off first. Yes. Then you get on. And there are a lot of people who don't know that. So I responded and I I said the person that drives in the lane that's closing in 500 feet due to construction or whatever up ahead, they drive in that lane all the way to the blinking arrow sign and then at the very end wedge themselves in to get in front of the 10 cars that were in front of them in the first place. That's really annoying to me. Like, that really gets me annoyed. (laughs) Poor mergers. And I I am getting flack for this. Because some people say, well, that's the way you're supposed to merge. It's called the zipper merge. Technically, it's the more efficient way to merge. Well, not if you're the only jack wagon going down that lane when everybody else has already moved over. Now you're just the line cutter that everybody hates. And so I have to give credit where it is due to to Dave and Dog, who replied to my tweet and said, yeah, there's a whole circle of hell for those people. (laughs) Special place. And he's right. (laughs) <laughs> because uh, just just get in line with everybody else. You it, It's going to make a difference in your life to get ahead of those last 10 cars and, and then merge. You're going to be the guy that sees the arrow from a half a mile away, but you're going to drive right up to the arrow to pass the 10 cars that were in front of you and then mm-hmm. cut them all off and wedge yourself in and say, oh, I got to get in now. I almost wouldn't even want to let that person in. Mm-hmm. If I had the choice, you, you can wait until the next 10 cars go by and go back to where you started from. So, I don't know. Maybe there's people that really believe in the zipper merge. I had never heard of it until it was brought up in response to my tweet. But those are people that get my goat. Merging etiquette. Merging etiquette. And and the other people, let's take it one step further here. You're leaving a game, okay? You're in the parking lot. And there's one egress exit lane. We've all been there. You're coming from this side of the lot. And there's somebody, uh, you know, there's a line of cars on the other side of the lot. What's the rule there, Steve, when you merge? It's every every other. other. Every other. Every other, right? yeah. And then you got the jack wagons doing that, going two in a row. Oh, I'm going to sneak in behind the guy that just went. I'm not waiting for you to go, and then I go. Here's
0: what gets me. Here's what gets me. So you're in traffic, like at a concert, at a game, heavy traffic at an event. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. And there is a an intersection where the they have a cop, a traffic guy, yeah. who's there. And he's, a, you know, it's not his normal job. He's doing it, right? Either it is, you know, he's got a vest on, or it's a uniformed police officer. Either way, appreciate his help. But you know how he works. He's there, you know. It, it's a stoplight, but he's doing it. They're do, having him do it manually because it's more efficient. Okay. You know, so... You know how it works. The guy lets a lot of cars go one yep. direction, right? He goes, go, 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 go. go. Okay, what do you do if you're in that line? You got to stay right on the bumper. The guy right in front of you, because if you want to get, get through. You got to get. If you're going to get through, you got to stay. Up. There's always a guy right in front of me who he's like he's uh, he, lets, he loafs. he he lets the guy get the person in front of him. He doesn't want to get too close. To that well, what's that mean? If there's a gap in that traffic, what's the cop do? He steps in and says, you guys got to wait again. Now you got to wait for that whole long line of people going the other direction (laughs) just because the the knucklehead in front of you wouldn't snug up on the bumper ahead of him. You got to know that's how that works. The cop's waiting for some lazy guy. There's a gap in the traffic because if there's a gap in the traffic, oh, there's no congestion on that road. We're going to stop it and let the— that's a crusher. Yeah, that is a crusher because you miss you. Oh, that annoys me. Yeah. Now that you mention it.
1: Yeah. So, tell oh. me if you've ever done this. So, you're you're merging into one lane because the lane is closing up ahead. Right. The arrow is blinking there, like you got to move over. Yeah, you can see it. And they have signs coming. And most everybody has moved over well ahead of the time where the sign is. You know, so there's a good. 500,000 yards before the sign. Everybody's moved over. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, people start coming from a mile back, shooting up that lane oh, yeah. to pass all those cars, knowing they got a free lane for a stretch, and they're going to pass 20, 30 cars. Have you ever been the car to thwart that exercise by getting your car in and splitting the difference Split, getting, to not let them line. Straddling, straddling the, straddling the oh, yeah. line. Have you I've ever been it. that guy? I've done it. I've done it, too. I
0: will admit. I, I don't know if that, that might make you just as big a donkey as the other guy,
1: but... What's right is right.
0: The rules apply to all of us. The What's right
1: is right. Now I'll Somebody say this, just though. tweeted at a zipper merge term was invented by the rude, ignorant <laughs> people. <laughs> Amen there, Mac. Amen. I'm telling you, you all got to get over... Why are you going to drive? The only reason you're driving up to the blinking sign with the arrow is because you feel you're more important and you deserve to get ahead of the 10 cars that were in front of you in the first place. Now, look, if you're on the way to the hospital with a pregnant wife or something, I get it. Okay, you get a pass, you know, or it's an emergency situation, fine, you get a pass. But short of that, just wait like everybody uh, else. The lack of common courtesy. Is astounding. Yes. Now I'll say this.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. You come out on that outside lane, and you want, don't want to merge. You get way ahead of it. If you come back from like four miles and you go back, and he, what's a, What about the person who is the guy that go? Yeah, yeah. Come on in. Slows down. Lets the guy in. Yeah hard to feel bad for that guy it, either it's, it's hard like, to yeah, hate the
1: kind-hearted people but all you're doing is encouraging the annoying people oh, i know all you're doing is encouraging them to keep on they're gonna go do that the next time they come across that yeah in a traffic situation yeah now look i i grew up downstate believe me i've seen more than my share of those kinds of jack wagons but you know yeah and you know, we got people tweeting at us, try driving in Boston, they all do it.
0: That's the way of life there, right? Yeah.,
1: Yeah. Which doesn't surprise me either. but man I grew up: It's weird just, for me. That I, gets my goat, something fierce. I grew it really up in: does.
0: I grew up in western Kansas, which is you don't have to worry about merging sparsely populated to say: <laughs> There the is least. no virgin.: That's right. In fact, I'm, <laughs> I took a couple of my buddies from college back there during college. we went back, and I, for like, I don't know, it was a Thanksgiving holiday or whatever. They want to make the trips. We drove back. And I took them back, and I told them when we got out there, we were driving. It, was, it takes forever to drive anywhere out there, right, because everything is just spread out.
2: And it's I'm driving, one I, lane I go, each way, right? so we
0: get close to my hometown, and I tell them, I said, you know, it's a thing out here that when you're driving down on the road and pe- somebody passes you, you got to wave at them, and they wave back because you know everybody. Oh. Nobody drives out there. So it's that you common don't courtesy. Know. It's common. You got to say. It's, it's like greeting your neighbor when you're in the yard together. Like, hey, how you doing? You know, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. And they go, "What are you talking?" It's because one's from Detroit. His dad was a homicide cop in Detroit. Mm. The other one was from Chicago. Okay. And They're like going, "Yeah, no, come on." Yeah. You don't. And wait sure, en- to- sure enough, we cross
1: the county line out where, and I'm yeah. like, and I'm giving
0: them the thing, and every single person. I had to learn that when
1: I moved here. Oh, you got to. When you walk past somebody on the street, you know you just say, "Hey," how you, you say doing? hello. Yeah. yeah, that was a new. It's one. a thing. I I do it now. Right. I didn't used to do that. Yeah, it's a. that it was. I was a product a, of my environment. It's a regional thing, right? It's a. Yeah, it's like an accent almost.
0: Yeah, it's the way you live your life.
1: So I sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. It was bothering me. The true, um, the uh, annoying thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then the response I got, I was just surprised. Now, fortunately, more <laughs> more rational people are responding now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, that just really gets my goat when that happens. Uh, we got to bring you up to speed on Bill stuff. Damian Harris is officially a Bill. The signing officially took place late yesterday afternoon, right before the dinner hour. Um, so Harris is a Buffalo Bill, a one-year deal. I saw some numbers floating around out there. One of them said. One-year deal for 1. 1.7, um, which is a great deal for the Bills as right. far as I'm concerned, knowing some of these other backs have signed for two and a half, 3.5. Three
0: well, yeah, Devin Singletary was 3.7, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so, and
1: he's going to be a backup in Houston.
0: Uh, this is a very astute signing in my estimation, particularly for a guy who was killing you when you yeah. played him.
1: You know what surprised me? I looked at his timed speed. And they have him at a four-five-seven at the combine. He I don't plays, know about you, but he plays faster than that. Seems to me. Don't too. you think? Yeah. I mean, he plays faster than that. Um, fast enough to snap off a sixty-four yarder against you. So that's those are the examples where you know you've seen enough of the guy where you're like, eh, four-five-seven. He don't look like four-five-seven to me. Now, I'm not saying he's 4'4", but he looks faster than four five seven. Um, and I was encouraged yeah. to hear him say yesterday in his in his uh, Zoom call with the media that, you know, he feels he's got some juice. And he likes playing physical
0: as well. Yeah. Well, you, you're seeing a lot of – we're watching the highlights as we're talking about him for our radio, and all of his highlights – or half his highlights are catching the ball out of the backfield, which is pl- – Obviously, a nice little boost for the toolbox. But he, you know, the Bill, Bills fans have seen this guy run for. He had a three touchdown game against him.
1: Yeah. Up there on the Monday night. Yeah, in a blowout loss, in a Patriots blowout loss. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, all those runs were in from pretty close. Yeah. But still, I mean, uh, that's, our, hey. having, how much have we talked about goal line carries? Uh, yeah, I mean that that, that, that are what, done
0: by somebody other than Josh Allen. Exactly. That's just what I was thinking when I when you said that. Is like, oh my gosh, that it all comes together now, right? <laughs> the guy's a, a red zone back.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll take it. I mean, let's not forget, twenty twenty one, the guy had fifteen running t- rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So I think that's proof positive that he can be a capable goal line back with a capable line in front of him. Uh, our own Matty Glab caught up with Damian right after he signed. So we wanted to uh, share that with you so she could get, you could get a feel for Buffalo's newest running back. So here is Bills reporter Maddie Glab with Damian Harris.
3: Damian Harris, one of the newest running backs to this Buffalo Bills running back room. Welcome to Buffalo. What attracted you to this team, Damian?
2: Um, well, as I'm looking outside, it's all the sunshine and the good weather. Um, no, uh, you know, this is a great organization. Um filled with great coaches great players and you know it's just a great field so um, you know I'm excited to be here and um, you know I'm looking forward to everything that's to come
3: when you were signing your contract you were you were <laughs> you were getting into it this this was a moment for you why was this a big moment for you signing with the bills here
2: um you know it just it started a new chapter for me um, you know myself my family you um, you know, it's just another step um, in furthering my, my professional football career. Um, you know, something I dreamed of since I was eight years old. So, uh, you know, I'm incredibly thankful to the entire Bills organization. Um, you know, Mr. Pagula, um, you know, Mr. Mc, or Mr. Coach McDermott, um, you know, just everybody. You know, I'm really thankful to be here and uh, just continue my career.
3: This team is not a team that that you don't know about at all. You're quite familiar with the Bills because you came from the Patriots. The Bills are also familiar with you because that 2021 season, you had so many rushing touchdowns. What do you know about this Bills team? What did they look like playing against them for, for a few seasons with the Patriots?
2: Um, well, it was always tough. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, but like I said, you know, this is a great organization. Um, you know, it's ran well, it's coached well, and it's got great players. So um, it's easy to see that whenever you play against a great team like this and you know, now it's even better to be a part. So, you know, like I said, there's a lot of great things about this organization. And, you know, I just want to be somebody that can come in and contribute and, you know, do whatever I can to help, um, you know, further the success of this organization.
3: You've had a productive career in the NFL so far. So what do you want to do with this Bills team? How do you think you can add to this offense here?
2: Um, Well, first of all, I just want to help this team win. Um, You know, it's the name of the game. Um, You know, that's, that's the business that we're in. So, you know, first and foremost, I want to come in and help this team win. But, Um, you know, my, as far as how I play, I think that that speaks for itself. Um, like you said, I'm familiar with this organization. It's familiar with me, um, but I think it's just my competitiveness, um, you know, my desire to win, my desire to get better, and to push those around me to be better. Um, you know, one of the things that attracted me the most about this organization actually was, you know, I had some of my best games against Buffalo, and so I felt like, you know, every time we went up against the Bills, or I say we, but every time I played against the Bills, you know, I always wanted to be at my best, and you know, I felt like if I felt that way as an opponent, you know, if I came in to be a part of this organization. Um, you know, it could only further that feeling of wanting to be at my best every single day. So I feel like if I do that, I can help this team win. I, I can help the guys around me be better. And, you know, just like I said, continue to, um, you know, help this organization build.
3: We're glad this organization is not playing against you anymore, mm-hmm. that you're playing <laughs> with us now. Uh, you're an Alabama product, played for the University of Alabama. We've got a Georgia product in the running back room in James Cook. So <laughs> are there going to be some tough weeks during the college football season with you too?
2: um i just want to say what's up to my dog first how about that we'll start with that um you know i'm excited to meet all the guys um you know meet all my teammates um all the other backs so maybe once once we're a little bit more acclimated then we'll get into the trash talk but for now uh, i'm just excited to be here and you know to say what's up to everybody
3: we're playing nice so far we like that uh last question for you what do you want bill's mafia to know about you this is your introduction to this crazy crazy fan base that you know and you got to play. <laughs> you got to play with basically when you played home games here, right. when you played away games uh, that are now going to be home games. So yeah. what do you want Bills Mafia to know about you?
2: Um, I can finally say it now, but I love Bill's Mafia, um, the energy, the enthusiasm, the tables on fire, uh, everything that comes with it. Um, you know, I've loved it ever since I came to the league, um, just because, you know, I love sports towns and, you know, communities that really rally behind their teams. And, you know, I don't know if anybody does that more than, than Buffalo fans in here in Buffalo. So, you know, I love you guys and, you know, I'm just excited to, to be a part and hopefully give you guys some more reasons to jump (laughs) through some more tables on fire.
3: Damian, we love it. We love that you love Bills Mafia. Welcome, yeah. to, bu- welcome to Buffalo. Thank
2: you. All
1: right, so that's Matty Glab with Damian Harris after he signed on the dotted line yesterday, late yesterday, right uh, right around 5 o'clock hour. Uh, got the pen put to paper and got it done. So he is on board, and we were talking about it on the show all day yesterday. Meanwhile, while we were on the show yesterday, there were reports coming down that the Bills are going to re-sign veteran offensive lineman David Quessenberry, who was basically the team's swing tackle last year and had some good performances when he was called upon last season. So the word is he is going to re-sign with the Bills, presumably another one-year deal, just like he had last year. Nothing official yet from the team, so that is not done, but uh, it looks like it's heading in that direction. And so they would add, you know, their. Their swing tackle from last year would be back on the roster, so we'll wait for final confirmation of that before it is official. But he actually had to start three games last season, you know, when Spencer Brown had the high ankle sprain and missed a couple of starts. We will take a break here, but before we go to break, we'll throw that Twitter topic out to you, which you can be a part of at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. What position is your dark horse pick for the Bills In round one of the draft, there are some obvious preferences that we all have. If you had to take a dark horse pick, what position are you going with for the Bills with pick number 27, 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. we got to take a break, but we'll be back with your phone calls when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Position is your dark horse pick for the Bills in round one of the NFL Draft. We all know that we have our preferred positions that we deem to be of need for the Bills. Whether you want to fill the hole left behind by Tremaine Edmonds, or you still think they need another receiver to add, or you're worried about defensive tackle or still want to improve the ranks at safety, you let us know what your dark horse pick for the Bills is. In round one, 803 0550, the number to get on board, 1 550 2550, the toll free number, or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at 1 Bills Live. Let's go to the phones. And leading us off today is Alex in Pittsburgh. What do you got for us, Alex? You're on 1 Bills Live.
4: Hey guys, thanks for taking my call again. My dark horse pick for the Bills would be tight end. I think there's a guy from Georgia, the very can't, I don't know how big he is, but um, oh, he's big. The Fire with fire, we got to go all, all offense. These teams are all offense. In the past couple of years, we've been focusing on defense,
1: but I think we should load up on offense and do our best. Want to see what you guys have to say? And um, thanks again for taking my call. Yeah, the guy you're talking about is Darnell Washington. He's the uh, University of Georgia prospect that's in the draft pool. He goes about almost six seven, two hundred and seventy pounds. And I'm trying to remember what he ran, but I think he ran in the fourth. four.
0: Four, five, four.
1: Did he run that fast? No, I don't know if he ran that fast. Uh,
0: no, I'm sorry, four, six, four. Four, six, four. four. Six, four.
1: So So uh, an extraordinary athlete who's still filling out his body. He essentially is a sixth offensive lineman without being one. Um, picture Lee Smith, who can run a ton faster.
0: <laughs> I mean, and is much and is, bigger,
1: um, and a much looser athlete. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. No. This, and he's got, he's he, he's enormous. He's an absolute enormous athlete. He catches the ball extremely well, as you might imagine, because his hands are so big. The, it looks like he's playing with a Nerf ball uh, when he grabs the
1: football. Yeah. Uh, he had that great one-hand catch in the workout at he's the combine. A, too. He's
0: still. Uh, I think he's still raw yeah, he's in a the position. Piece of clay and. You Know, I'd like to sit down and when you watch him run the 40, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty done amazing. in about nine amazing. steps. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, here's the 40 in nine steps. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It takes most guys 13,
0: so yeah, A- actually, actually, it's 18. Oh, is it 18? 18, okay. Um, he probably did it in 17, seriously. Uh, the amount of steps I almost he took. want to count him again, he's. Though. He's big. He's a real – and yeah, he's intriguing. He's one of those guys like, wow, look at this guy. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to be a great NFL tight end. It does mean uh, he's got a chance to be big enough and durable enough to play for a long time and be productive. And if his work ethic is there, you got to think as well,
1: he's going to get better and better and better. And with the tools he has, his, his ceiling is virtually limitless. Tight end is an interesting dark horse pick too because it is a very strong – tight end class and steve and i are going to be talking about this to some extent in our bills by the numbers podcast this week uh because we're kind of assessing how the bills draft needs have changed in the wake of the first set of signings in free agency by the bills and when you think about what could be a dark horse pick tight end is a position that has merit because the class is so deep you might get to a place where the Bills pit. Bills might be sitting there at 61 in round two, and there's no value at receiver. There's no good value at offensive line, and there's no good value at middle linebacker. Well, what do you fall back on? Best on the board, and knowing there are a lot of good tight ends in the pool, you know, somebody's still on the board there that's at tight end or corner. Corner's like one of the best classes going, and it's not like the Bills are – Chock full of corners on the roster right now. It's basically Trey White, Taryn Johnson, Saran Neal, Dane Jackson, and then Kyrie Elam if you're moving Benford to safety. So you may, you mean, you could add one there and not go wrong either because they're saying it's the deepest corner class in the last 10 years. So, right. I mean, there, there, there will be options. It just may not be at a position that everybody likes. Right, like
0: <laughs> defensive end. You're right. Um, oh,
1: yeah. When it's a good edge
0: rusher class it's too. A very good edge rusher class as well. Wouldn't it be nice if the Bills got a real great, a great edge rusher, and nobody cared because the free agency yeah, finished are out like, and... oh my
1: God, they're going there again. That right. would be the reaction.
0: Yeah, it would be. Yeah.
1: And I understand why, but that doesn't mean. You don't take the best value on the board if that's what it is. Let's go to Gary in Lockport next. What do you got for us, Gary? You're on One Bill's Live.
4: Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. I'm a first-time caller, oh, thanks and for I was
1: so. Uh,
4: yep, I was wondering on the receiver uh, group with Buffalo with the Shurfield signing. I'd like your opinion on that for uh, what what he might do for Buffalo, and then Hardy. I see that he got number 11 on his jersey, so I figured Cole Beasley's gone. And the third question is, Jamison Crowder, is Buffalo talking to him and trying to re-sign him at all? I know he was a Bills killer when he played for the Jets, so I was just wondering if they were going to try and re-sign him.
1: Okay, yeah, we can cover all that. Thanks for the call, Gary. Appreciate it. Um, let's, let's start, Steve, with – the two new guys, he wants to know what Sherfield could be for the receiving. Well, I
0: think Sherfield is a little bit like Jake Kumaro, except probably better on the wide receiver end of it. Uh, he had some his best season as a pro last year in Miami when he actually got the opportunity to play.
1: On offense. Yeah. On
0: offense. Um, he's an excellent special teams player, but I think – He's a guy who is really trying to make a way for himself as a wide receiver. He's smart enough to know, as an undrafted rookie free agent, he knew he to stick around. He had to cut, he had to do special teams. He had to find a way to get on the roster. He did it through special teams. But his wide receiving ability seems to still be on the uptick. So best case scenario for him is he comes in and all of a sudden the Bills are going, "Wow, look this this guy can play!" Right, right. And uh, I don't think it would be that much a surprise for them. I think they think that's a possibility. But even if he doesn't just give them what they've already seen as a wide receiver, I think that'll be good enough because his special teams play will help him anyway.
1: Now we had him in studio, and he said that he was told he's going to get some opportunities in the slot, which we found interesting because more often than not, this offense has used more of their diminutive receivers inside, and you understand why. Sherfield goes six-one-two-nineteen. That would be a much bigger target for Josh Allen work in the middle of the field, which is an interesting tweak to how they've done it in recent years. And then as, as far as Deontay Hardy goes, Brandon Bean himself said they anticipate him sliding into the number four receiver role. So if you want to think about what that means, think about what Gabe Davis did in his rookie year in 2020, when he was the fourth receiver, when they still had John Brown, Cole Beasley and Diggs and Davis was the four, ended the season with 35 catches for seven touchdowns. I think if Deontay Hardy gives him that, they'd be over the moon. Right. But he's also going to be their punt returner, presumably, and Naheem Hines will probably handle kick returns. Uh,
0: And as for Crowder, I would be – unless or until Crowder signs with another team, I think he's still on the menu for the Buffalo Bills. He broke his leg, not a serious – I mean, it wasn't like a compound fracture. I mean, a broken leg is serious, but – you would think he'd be able to come back from that and be just as good as new. So uh, having that behind him, setting that aside, saying he's going to be a complete 100% recovery from that leg, I think he's a he's on the menu for the Buffalo Bills until he s- does or does not sign with him. I, I think they know exactly what it'll take to sign him. He may be playing his slow play, waiting for an opportunity. Uh, maybe he, see, he sees the writing on the wall, doesn't see his – coming himself coming back here. Uh, but I would be surprised if he wasn't on the Bills menu of guys to talk to yeah. before they go to training camp. Now, I think a lot of teams see him as a guy who broke his leg last year and want to know about him. Um but I think that's where they're at. The I don't think the Bills have would have a problem at all signing him to yeah, another one year deal. Healthy, or, of course. Yeah, provided yeah. he's healthy.
1: Let's go from one Gary to another. We go from Gary in Lockport to Gary on a cell. What do you got for us, Gary?
4: Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Good. I'm going to give you three players, Two, I think, that should look at it in the dark horse, like you asked on the question. Yep. I think receiver and then the linebacker is the lost, you know, Edmonds. And we need another receiver, a speed guy, you know. And the, lock,
0: the uh, wild card would be the uh, dark horse, I guess, would be the uh, running back, Robinson from Texas, if he's still there.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people are going gaga for him, and I understand why. He's like a physical specimen, and and thanks for the call, Gary. Um, But I I remain relatively convinced that he is not getting to 27. If he is the phenom that everybody thinks he is going to be, getting to the bottom of round one just flat out is not going to happen. Right. Like, I don't see any way he gets past 20. You know what I mean? Like, especially for a Seahawks team, the Seahawks pick at 20, by the way, they have two picks in the first round. They picked somewhere in the early teens, I think, and then they also pick 20. And they've done a lot to improve their roster. Geno Smith is their quarterback for now. They may draft one as well, but you want to help their offense even more. You put yeah. John Robinson in their backfield. That really helps Geno Smith out much the way, it, you know, a player of that caliber would obviously help Josh Allen too. But if he's as good as they say he is, I don't see him getting past 20. Yeah. The problem is go down
0: round one, all the way to 27, where the bills pick. And there's like six teams that you could say, yeah, they could really use a guy like that. Right. I mean,
1: the Philadelphia Eagles have two first round picks and they just lost miles Sanders, right? They got two picks in the first round. There's a team that can afford to take a running back in round one because they have another pick in round one as well. So, I think we'd be hard-pressed to see B. John Robinson get down. But if he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then it's a whole different conversation. We have to take a break here. Mark and West Seneca, others holding at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Stay put. We're asking you, what's your dark horse pick for the Bills position-wise in round one of the draft? We're back in a minute here on One Bills Live. All right, attention, Bills fans. The Bills store will be closing on March 24th for some big changes. Upon reopening on April 1st, there will be a new operator, better assortment of your favorite team apparel and products, and improved services. Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas will be part of the reopening festivities from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. The first 500 customers will receive a limited edition Buffalo Bills coin with their purchase now you should know you can obviously still shop online at shop.buffalobills.com while the store is closed for about a week so closing on the 24th reopening on the first big reopening event on the first especially with thurman thomas there from 11 to 1 so if you're in the neighborhood swing on by we got to get back to the phones though at 803-0550, 550 2550 what position is your dark horse pick for the Bills in round one of the draft? And we go to Mark in West Seneca next. I mean, hey,
5: Steve. Hey, Chris. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing good. Good. That's good. Uh, great time of year. I love this time of year. Um, uh, one thing I just wanted to bring up that uh, – I trust Brandon being that uh, he's not going to overdraft. He typically doesn't overdraft uh, guys, especially in the early rounds. Uh, he might take a flyer on guys in later rounds, but he typically picks guys where they, they have them rated properly, I believe. Uh, and that being said, I don't think a wide receiver is in the cards for a first, for the first pick uh, because I don't believe there's going to be a guy worthy of that pick. I think the guys that are first-round rated are going to be gone by week, by the time we're on the board. Uh, so if they're really intent on, on getting a receiver, I think the D. Hopkins trade is something they really need to pursue hard. Uh, that being said, uh, so I've got two points. Uh, the dark horse for me is first round, if they don't get a trade done, uh, is either going to be offensive right tackle, or I would love, and this is probably not going to be very popular with a lot of people, is Jack Campbell, uh, the middle linebacker out of Iowa. Uh, I absolutely love that kid and I think you you fill a position need and a hole for five years and maybe longer, depending on how that plays out. Uh, I would love to see that. And then I have a question. Uh, With that D Hopkins trade that people are bantering about on the radio station all day today, some people were pivoting to possibly D tackle for the first pick. And from what I understood, this is a very weak class for D tackles. And do you guys have Any information or read on that? And are there any guys that are worthy of a a first-round pick, much less a late first-round pick at the D-tackle position? So that's what I wanted to bring up with you guys.
1: Thanks. No problem. Thanks for the call, Mark. Um, I'll begin with the Hopkins thing. Well, you know, it's getting a lot of play because of what Daniel Jeremiah said because he was asked, oh, where could you see Hopkins moving if he was traded? And he said, oh, well, I think the perfect fit is the Bills. Now you got to work out all the money. Well, the money is the biggest issue. Uh, because he's got two years left on his contract and still pretty sizable salary. Yeah, it's so like seventeen million this year, fourteen million next. So you may have to work something out with the Cardinals where they take on and agree to pay some of that salary to move the bulk of it off his off their books, knowing that the Bills with a tight cap situation would be hard pressed to fit that kind of money under their cap as it currently exists. They would probably have to clip two or three players off their roster to make that happen. Unless they're sending dollars out with players in a trade instead of draft capital, so that that's a possibility too, which would then facilitate uh, such a move.
0: Yeah, the move the the Jack Campbell thing is you're not alone in that. You said you you thought it might be you might be by yourself. You're not by yourself. There's a lot of people who are telling the Bills to take a linebacker, and there's a couple of them available. Jack Campbell's probably the first of which would be a guy that mimics the physicality, the physical attributes of Tremaine Edmonds. He's not as fast in the open field like a forty yard dash, but everything else is very similar. He's not quite the condor uh that Tremaine is or but he is that he's a six five guy, very tall and good range and all that stuff. He's got all that stuff going for him. So yeah, you're not crazy for saying Jack Campbell of Iowa being a, a dark horse pick.
1: Yeah. And then with respect to the defensive tackle class, I mean, I would say that you've got Jalen Carter, even though he's got some off-the-field issues, is still your best prospect. He's going to be still going to go in the top 10 somewhere, even with some of the warts he has off the field, especially with the latest racing incident that, you know, he already adjudicated and got a year probation, no jail time, so that's good for him. But after that, there is a drop-off. Now, you can find some capable players, but where they're going to come off the board is anybody's guess. You know, I know that you've got a guy that's rising here late from Pitt, uh, Kalijah Cansey. He's undersized, though. He's only 281 and goes 6'1", naturally coming out of Pitt. People are making Aaron Donald comparisons because he played at Pitt. I don't know that they wash for me, uh, having seen him on tape. An intriguing player who's also undersized, is Tule Tua Pelotu out of USC. He's only 266 pounds. I think he's more of a 5 technique and a 3-4, so I don't know that he fits a 4-3 defense. But, yes, for the most part, you are correct. It is not a great draft for defensive tackles. Now, Mozzie Smith is a guy who, for me, fits the bill, the defensive tackle out of Michigan. He's 6'3", 323. And he is an immovable object. So where does he go? That's hard to say. The reason why is if you draft him, you're going purely on potential because his production was not anything to write home about during the course of his college career. And when there isn't a body of work that looks good on paper, it does cause concern for some teams because they want to see that you've done it before, You know, especially at a Big Ten Power Five conference level, if you've done it before there, they feel good about making the projection of you doing it in the NFL. He hasn't done that consistently enough, so there are consistency concerns. But as far as body type, physical ability, it's all there for Mozzie Smith at six three, three twenty three. But you've got other guys as well that are further down the pecking order. A guy like like
0: uh, out of smaller school like Western Kentucky, a guy like Broderick Martin, he's an enormous guy, 6'5", 337, and shows some promise. But he's a guy who is physically will be able to, to impose his will even at the NFL level. But he he's one of those guys, you're going to have to work on him. He's got technique he's got to work on, you know, all that stuff. Um, so you're going to – you have to look the guy. This is one of those guys where you'd love to sit down with him and find out the kind of kid he is. Kind of find out the kind of man he is, what he's made of, before you actually draft him, and how high you're going to draft him. You don't want to invest all that money into a guy that plays football just because he doesn't have anything else to do. Um, you need a guy that's really committed. Uh, but there are guys like that out there. And for me, I, knowing what I know about the Buffalo Bills, I go down and I look at traits, and then I weave them out from there, um, which means I don't really go to the guys even if they're at the top of the board, like. And Mazie Smith, because he's undersized. Um, I go to the guys that are 6'5", three, three bills plus. Yeah, Mazie Smith is big enough. He's yes, 6'3", 323. Uh, ca- Kalijah Kansi is yes. who you were thinking of. And Okun- Okunori, the kid from uh, from Northwestern, he's a little undersized. He's an edge guy. Um, so that's that's where I start. If you want to go, de- go straight to the defensive ta- – not defensive line as a whole, just defensive tackles and you'll start to weed out guys that maybe have a shot at being there when the Bills pick.
1: Break time for us here, but our number two will be more draft-oriented as we catch up with NFL draft analyst John Ledger. He'll join us in our number two here on One Bills Live, presented by Colada Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two here on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Pleased to be joined now by the host of the Audible's and Analytics podcast. It is NFL draft analyst John Ledger joining us. John, how you been?
6: I've been good, guys. It's always a pleasure to join you every time around this uh, this time of the year. And I uh, got the draft coming up, free agency. Not quite in hindsight, but a lot
1: of the big moves are done. And yeah. so I'm
6: excited to break it all
1: down with the, you all. The uh, – You know, the big name in the draft class from the jump, aside from quarterbacks, was and has been Jalen Carter. Then the -the off-the-field stuff kind of comes to light. He gets it adjudicated in short order, but then his pro day does not go well, John. I mean, he's nine pounds heavier. He can't even finish all the drills because he's winded. I mean, he really didn't help himself at his own pro day. The question for you is, How far do you think he could slide? Because he's still a supreme talent in what is considered to be a pretty subpar defensive tackle class.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, I think that's the the big concern is the stuff that we maybe don't have the vision into, you know, we're not going to know what those meetings are like necessarily as the team sits down and talks with them and things like that. I mean, it could be not that big of a concern to teams, or it could be a fall, you know, similar to, you know, how Laramie Tunsil went through, you know, where there's this level of unknown and stuff. And And I think nobody doubts Carter's play on the field from this past season. I think it's pretty clear. He's the best player in the class on tape. But the other stuff and the concerns there, you might take that risk at quarterback. You might take it at edge rusher. Are you going to take that risk at defensive tackle? I think that's the question teams are going to have to ask themselves. But in terms of the package on the field, yeah, I mean, this, his floor might be Quinn and Williams, you know, he can, his ceiling could be higher than that. Um, I think he's the real deal there, but if you're not committed to the game and there are all these other distractions and uh, these other issues that he's going to have, then that could derail his career entirely. And it's, even in a class like this that doesn't have much premium talent at the top, I think it's going to be hard for teams to take that risk. Do you think he – say the
0: order of the draft, the top 10 or so or top 20 stays intact? I mean, there's possibility that teams will move up for one of those quarterbacks. But if, if Arizona comes up at three, is he does he fall past them?
6: Yeah, their, I think yeah, he, he could. It definitely could. I mean, it's a possibility he could fall out of the top ten. I think, but we just won't know like until we start hearing more about how teams are feeling about the whole thing and where the, the credibility that they have in terms of the interviews they've done with them the sit downs, those kind of things, the background research, talking to Georgia coaching staff, like all that stuff is going to be the determiner, right? And that's the hard thing with a prospect like Carter is that we'll all watch him and think he's great. We only hear what's the little bit of tidbits that are in the news. We've not coached him or played with him or any of those things. And so there'll be a level of insight teams have into him. And if he does start sliding people are like, Oh, he could, he slide into the teens. If he slides to the teens, like what are the odds that the, that the concerns aren't very real because a lot of teams that could use him are passing up on him at that point. And you start to get concerned that if a team takes him, they haven't done their homework as much.
1: Yeah. I mean, right. and I know you mentioned one guy, Laramie Tunsell that slid, I'm kind of thinking of Warren Sapp. I remember when he slid mm-hmm. and he was considered Just as good a defensive tackle prospect as Carter was, and he went all the way down to twelve, which I think surprised some people. There were people out there trying to sabotage his draft stock. It's interesting too because both those guys, Laramie Tunsil, who famously had the the
0: gas mask video pop up on draft day, and then of course, uh, uh, Sap Sap getting you know having the same kind of problems where he's you know they thought he was he showed up at some of the interviews high, you know uh, (laughs) when he was a draft. Mm Sap is in the Hall of Fame. Laramie Tunsil just signed a, a gazillion-dollar contract. <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's kind of like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Some of these guys, you're yeah. right, they, they do have some problems. But, man, oh, man, if you get the right guy, who cares about the problems? He's a, a Hall of Famer on the defensive line. That kind of stuff goes on, right? Right.
6: Yeah, I mean, you could be dealing with a situation, you know, uh, like Malik McDowell, like type level, where like he was supposed to be top ten pick for all the way to the second round barely even ever played in the nfl and injuries were part of it but character was a big part of it as well um and and, um you know i think you could be looking at that type of situation or a situation like zap that he ends up going on to have a great career despite all the concerns that are out there and and that's all in the cards for carter and unfortunately it's the part of draft evaluation that's so difficult from the vantage point where we're just trying to find the best players and you hear all these things and you're like how does that impact how I feel about whether a team should take him or not, because we're just not going to have the same insight the team's doing. So there's a level of unknown there. We have to be comfortable with as evaluators to just say, look, I know he's an unbelievable football player and that's all I can see. And there's a lot that I can't see. And if that's what dooms him in the end, I'll take the L in my evaluation, but as a football player, he's outstanding and hopefully the
1: rest of the stuff can get sorted out. Looking at what the bills have done in free agency, as far as new players on the roster, they've gone heavy offense, You know, they've got an offensive lineman, two receivers, a running back, and a backup quarterback that they added to the fray. I mean, the only new defensive player they added to the roster was a special team safety by the name of Zane Anderson from Kansas City. Uh, Everybody else has been on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I know they re-signed Jordan Poyard and Dane Jackson and a couple other defensive players that were on their roster already, but do you think that that shifts the conversation as to what the Bills – might do in the draft going so offense heavy in free agency to this point? Uh, it could
6: for sure. I mean, I think they're just looking for a wide receiver just in general. Like, I don't know whether that's going to happen early in the draft or middle of the draft, later in the draft, right. you know, but I think. There's no way they watched last season and didn't come away with the conclusion that, I mean, they clearly, they made all these moves, right? Even in the season, they're kind of desperation moves. Can can Cole Beasley help us out? Like in some of these, you know, the little things that we do on the peripherals so John Brown, like it's any of these things help us out. I think. And obviously those didn't do the trick, but I think they know going they've got a full sample size of Gabriel Davis, to know that there's limitations there. Like, you got to get another playmaker around Stephon Diggs. That's hard to do right now in free agency because there aren't a lot of good wide receivers hitting the market, and it could depend on the type of receiver they want as well. I personally, I don't know if they have. I I saw a report today. I don't remember if they are one of the teams mentioned, but I think DeAndre Hopkins makes a lot of sense. When you're in a win-now window, like the Bills are in, and they need to put this roster over the top, it's tough to put those eggs in the basket of a rookie wide receiver, especially in this class where it isn't as good as some of the past classes where a guy could have jumped in and been a big time contributor right away. So to me, that's the biggest need. Like if I were the Bills and I'm looking at the roster and I'm just saying we can, they can get better at other positions, certainly. And we'll talk about those positions, but I'm just a wide receiver, another playmaking wide receiver that can get open at all levels of the field that can make tough contested catches that can work well with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs in the way that they like to play that can uh, accentuate because some of their strengths to me, that could put this team over the top where they could have a weakness on the O-line and it might be overcome by just having that other playmaker, a wide receiver.
0: Is there, uh, because we've been talking about Deandre Hopkins in Buffalo for a while, maybe for three years, ever since he caught the hail Murray against the bills, in 2019 or 2018, 20 yeah. Uh, it, yeah. So it's been one of those things where Bills fans remember this guy, and he's still highly productive. Who else? I mean, is there another receiver? even a trade for a trade? Who would be more? Because he's due to make 17 million this year, 14 million next year. If you trade for him, you, your financials got to be a little bit better than what the Bills are right now.
6: Right. And so there would need to be something worked out and the Cardinals are also going to have to be a team that comes to grips with the fact that they're not going to get what they hope to get for him. Like if they thought they were going to get a first round pick for him, look at the market right now. It's just not going to happen. I don't think. And so they're going to have to come to grips with that, which could take a while. And Buffalo would would behoove them, I think, to stay patient with that. Yeah, it's difficult to figure out if they were going to go the trade route at this point who could maybe be available that would be in that same vein. You know, some of these things materialize late, but right now it does feel like things are pretty settled. And, you know, DJ Moore would have been another one. I said, Hey, look into that. Like if they're trying to move him, but yeah. that because is, is, they didn't want to pay him but that seems to that chip has sailed now with him going to Chicago. So there are few options, you know, and maybe that does play to the Cardinals advantage. If they're trying to trade Hopkins, you could go to the draft though. I mean, there are definitely good players. It's possible Jackson Smith and Jigba who worked out today. And I thought, looked great. And his tape is really good. And I think if he had played this past year, the people would have a lot less concerns about him. He could be an interesting fit there as well. Somebody who's kind of like a way better version of Beasley when Beasley was in his prime in Buffalo, um, offers a lot more in terms of down the field, elusiveness after the catch. those kinds of things. There are options in the draft. You don't need a number one, and that's what's nice for Buffalo. They have one of the top receivers in the NFL in Stephon Diggs. He is a guy you can run your passing offense through at all levels of the field, and he can make an impact. You just have to get complementary threats around him so that a defense can't just focus on him. I think they can do that without going crazy with this trade and just the fact that Hopkins asking the asking price for Hopkins may be on the way down is what would really interest me in that. He's thirty, you know, he'll be thirty one this summer. I get it. Like he has maybe started to slow down a little bit. I still think there's a really good player who you could get another good really strong year or two out of. And if you get him for a day three pick, then I think you make the financials work.
1: Yeah. I mean Brandon cooks went for a five and a six to Dallas. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of where the market's set right now. Maybe you get a little more for a player of Hopkins caliber, but not a ton more. Um, And then you, you, so you try to balance that John against the receiver class this year, which as you mentioned is not as strong as the last couple of years or as deep. And that's why we're not getting any kind of consensus on the top of the class because some people think, oh, Quentin is going to be the first guy off the board. Size, speed, a player, you know, that's hard to find and, you know, can break away from defenses and take it 60 yards to the house. And then other people are like, no, 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 you want the best route runner in the class. You want Smith and Jigba. He's going to be first off the board. I mean, um, three weeks ago, Quentin Johnston was off everybody's mock draft by pick 14 or 15. Now we got mocks coming out. He's going to the Bills at 27. What the hell's going on, John?
6: Yeah, it's a there's a lot of uncertainty in this class of wide receiver. You know, and it's possible Addison did test his way out of the first round. There aren't not there's not a ton of precedent for a wide receiver with his athletic size limitation combination being taken in the first round. In the second round, I think that there's plenty of ammo for that. And I think he probably will go in that range. I do think Smith and Jigba probably Quentin Johnson for the teams that covet the size speed uh, factors and kind of base a lot of wide receiver evaluations off of those things in this class, they're going to feel like we've got to get that guy. This is a small wide receiver class. Um, there's not a lot of guys with that kind of size speed combination that he has Especially the tape that he has. Now, I think there's plenty of concerns with Johnston's tape. I don't think he's a great route runner. I don't think he has great hands. I wish that he played bigger at the catch point, and he does not. Can those things be learned? I mean, that some team is going to roll the dice and try and find out. I would not want to be the team taking that chance. To me, Smith and Jigba, just there is a way higher floor here. And I don't, the ceiling, yeah, sure, it's not, you know, probably a top tier wide receiver in the NFL. You know, he probably wouldn't be in that conversation with the Diggs, but could he be a tier two guy? Could he be Keenan Allen in the NFL? i don't see why not i don't see why that couldn't be in the cards for somebody like smith and jigma so to me that's the guy you'd want to roll the dice with i think when you watched him on tape when he was healthy again a lot of this is recency bias like if he had played more this past season with the quarterback situation that they had there and the other pieces that they had he would have put up unbelievable numbers and people would be a lot more confident in it he did it the year before it's only because of the injury and we haven't seen him in a while and Maybe he's not the best athlete, and I think those things are fair. And I think the fact that he's not an elite athlete again could keep him out of tier one. But where is that line? He's still a fine athlete. We've seen that for sure. And the short area quickness is very real. The hands are real. He's smart. He's a heady player who's going to be able to come in right away and make an impact. That's important for a team like Buffalo. So to me, he'd be the kind of guy I would target if I were Buffalo. Some of these other guys I think could take a little while to develop fully, or could perhaps just be a little bit limited, like. Zay Flowers good player? Is he going to be in a specific role early on in his career where he's kind of like a gadget guy, maybe a speed guy, a low-volume receiver, but you can't count on him every down? I just think if you're Buffalo, that's something you need to think about and why Smith and Jigba's a guy you could bring in, and I think he could play all three downs in all situations right away.
0: Yeah, and if it, but in Jigba, at 27, he may well be long gone by that time. How far down do you go on this list? And, and thinking about what Buffalo really needs, they've got Steph Diggs who's a is an elite number 1. They've got a crew of of you know Gabe Davis is there, this rookie, they would not need this guy to come in and be an alpha dog. They want him to be uh, right. to fit into a place on this offense even with you know grabbing some slot receivers like Deontay Hardy from New Orleans and some of the, and you know uh, Sherfield from Miami. They've got some extra names now to to think about. How many how far down the list would you have to go I don't know, maybe just to get a guy at 27 where you wouldn't have to go, wow, they really reached for that guy at 27, even though the guy may turn out to be exactly what they were asking for.
6: Yeah, that's the question. I mean, the Bills could very well look at and say, okay, we've got some pieces here, and uh, we just – a guy like Jalen Hyatt who can stretch the field and be a vertical threat, and if he – Creates uh, you know ten deep ball touchdowns for us or deep ball big plays for us in the year even if there's a lot of other growing pains if he's Will Fuller in his prime for us then that's worth it for us in uh, the window that we're in given this draft which again is I don't think it's the best draft class in the world they've already spent some at some of the positions that this class is the strongest in namely edge rusher and cornerback and so maybe they don't feel as incentivized to go that route again in this draft I mean you can never have enough of those guys but it certainly seems like they have some answers there they want to work through this season and give playing time to so in this draft they may say you know what we know there's limitations there and he may not be an every down type of player for us uh but jalen hyatt might be worth it it could also go the other way you know i, I didn't mention this name before but jerry judy you know the, the broncos the rumor is they're asking for a first round pick or a high second for him, and and a player maybe as well and that's the last reports i've seen on it You know, the, the set would be really fun in Buffalo. I'm concerned with the drops. I'm concerned with the inconsistencies and I'm concerned with the fact that he doesn't seem to be able to stay fully healthy and on the field. So there are concerns there. I certainly wouldn't be paying that asking price for him, but it Broncos clearly haven't gotten anybody to pay that asking price. So it could be that they're willing to come down on that. And if you're Buffalo, I think you just, this is the missing piece, like getting another guy who can be a threat in your offense to me is really one of the big missing pieces for them. I think the defense, you know, talent wise, like has a lot of pieces there and you can add to that. And hopefully you will in this draft class, but you need a guy at wide receiver who can impact right away, I think. And so maybe that's Judy, maybe it's like, okay, we're going to piece it together and build it like a basketball team. And we're going to have a bunch of different types and we're going to bring in a guy like Johnston to be our big body guy down the field. And hopefully that he starts playing to his size a little bit more. Um, There could be a couple different approaches here because they already have a number one, but I think it's still really important that they focus a lot of their resources and attention on those options.
1: Last one I've got for you, John. Let's just say hypothetically a trade is not made. They don't get a veteran difference maker to come in and, and be like a true number two to Diggs. And the class and the value doesn't line up for the Bills in terms of taking a receiver that would fit that mold. It's a really good tight end class. Is there anybody in the tight end class that, that Brandon Bain could pivot to and maybe still fulfill what is missing in the passing game. I mean, I know Kincaid is a popular name. Is it just him as the only guy that might be able to fill that kind of a bill?
6: Yeah, Kincaid is the top option in my opinion. I think he's the best tight end in the class. There has been some, in my mind, there are some comparisons just when you're talking about the way that he moves. Uh, in the way that he plays stylistic comparison, not career projection comparison. I'll be clear to Travis Kelsey. There's definitely some of that that exists. Zach Ertz maybe as well, but i think Kincaid's just ability to be so crafty after the catch and create for his team after the catch. That's something Buffalo could really benefit from, I think. And that brings me also to the second name on my list. To me, Sam Laporta from Iowa. I know he's a little bit down further on the list you have there. And in most people's tight end rankings, he's probably like fifth or sixth For me, he's second. I think that he is a dynamic player after the catch. He proved at the combine, the athleticism you see on tape is no joke. Uh, this will remind some people of Josh Allen's situation, but he played in Iowa and one of the worst offenses in the country with no other skill around him. He was the guy they lined him up at wide receiver. He beat cornerbacks. He became he beat press coverage on the outside. He had double moves on cornerbacks getting vertically. He is unbelievable after the catch. I believe he broke 20 tackles after the catch this past season, which is crazy for a college tight end. You just do not see that his catch and run against Kentucky is one of the best I've ever seen from a tight end in college football. And Oh, by the way, he comes from Iowa. I'm pretty sure they know how to develop uh, tight ends pretty well there. So I think his best football could be ahead of him. The fact that he was able to be productive consistently in an environment where everything was against him, basically. uh, I think he would really be a stud in Buffalo and Knox is still a good player. He hasn't maybe, White reached the peaks that some hope for him after the strong start that he had there, but I still think he's an ascending good player, so to have a combination of the two of them like that, both of whom, by the way, I'd say were better in the NFL than in their college environments, I think Buffalo could be on
1: to something if they were to look at Laporta. Hmm. Well, John, thanks for the time, as always. We appreciate it. We know you'll have your ear to the ground leading up to the draft here. We'll catch up with you down the line. Thanks again. Thanks, John. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for having me. All right. That's John Ledger, NFL draft analyst and also host of the audibles and analytics podcast. I I just wonder about making that kind of a pivot. You know, you're cat. You don't have a lot of cap space. So if you can't shift dollars out for dollars in for a trade for a veteran receiver and then you get to the draft and the value doesn't line up when you're on the clock at receiver. I just wonder about pivoting to tight end and maybe getting similar kind of addition to your passing game. And I I kind of agree with John a little bit on Sam Laporta. He intrigued me as well. I don't know if I would consider him the second-best tight end in the class, um, but there is some talent there that can boost and be a shot in the arm for your passing game. And then a a whole cornucopia of opportunities open up for your offensive coordinator and Ken Dorsey if you have two tight ends that can run, catch, and block. He had matching
0: seasons as junior and senior, 53 catches in both those seasons. Uh, As a junior, he had 670 yards. As a senior, he had 592 yards. Um, Played a ton right from the um, get-go at Iowa. Played 12 games as a freshman. Uh, So he, he can get on the field. And I think that's one of the things about a player like this even at a young age and not for nothing but we're reading about all these guys he's been playing tight end forever right. you know yeah. uh, so he's not raw he's not you know learning the position he's not a converted quarterback or converted receiver he's a tight end
1: yeah and he can drive guys off the line i mean yeah. i've watched enough of his games a pretty loose athlete is talented enough to double move defenders as a tight end in the passing game but yeah. he also can drive guys off the line of scrimmage we know you know the ference hist- coach Ferrens' history there of developing offensive linemen you'd like to think that the tight ends are getting the same kind of schooling you know if they're lining up on the line of scrimmage as far as blocking goes right
6: yeah
0: so that he is intriguing Laporta is and I it's nice to hear a guy like Ledyard I I like these guys who say now everybody's got him further down I like this guy and give you some specific reasons as to why and the double move thing in the secondary and splitting him out as a wide out getting open against corners that's big uh, because you got a guy who's playing against better athletes and still getting them um He's got a nice
1: stiff arm, too. I wrote that in my notes. There you go. He's got so. a good stiff arm to get extra yards after. Right so I'm gonna, well. we'll put him on the whiteboard. Put, oh. Sam Laporta. Not I mean, just
0: on the watch list. Not a, on the watch not list, not yeah. as
1: a Not as a got to have. It's going to be very interesting list. to see where he comes off, because if there's a run on tight ends, maybe you have to consider him at 61, you know, not 89 in round three. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: right. And it, there's 60, a run.
1: And I'll say this, too.
0: When you get up into the 60s, into the second or third round, you know, third third round, it's hard to say anybody's a reach, <laughs> really hard. It's just they see something in the guy that makes him exactly what they're looking for in, in those rounds because it starts to get further and further down from how much work you've done on all these guys. and I And I think, yeah.
1: But that's what happened when the Bills took Dawson Knox. There was a run on tight ends. The Bills didn't have a third-round pick. They're sitting there in the fourth round, and Dawson Knox is the only tight end they like left. Right. And Brandon's like, we got to go up there and get him. Mm-hmm. And so they traded up a full round into the third to take Dawson, and it and it panned out. So just something to think about if the receiver value isn't there we got to take a break, but we're back to more of your phone calls when we return. Dave and Clarence and others holding at 803-0550. Hang tight. We'll get to you when we return here on One Bills Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live. Before we get back to the phones, there is some AFC East free agency news. The New York Jets have signed Kansas City free agent wide receiver McCole Hardman. So the Jets signing the uh, free agent receiver to what we expect to be a one-year deal. So the Jets add a little more speed to their receiving core. Hardman was injury-riddled this past season, so didn't really put up a ton of production for the Chiefs this past year. Only 25 receptions for 297 yards and four touchdowns. Had a bad hip and groin injury That kept him out for about half the season, but an add to their receiving core, and you got to believe Hardman's going there, banking on Aaron Rodgers showing up. (laughs) If not, I think McCole Hardman's going to be pretty annoyed. Well, uh, yeah,
0: interesting because when Aaron Rodgers shows up, we all—I kind of—are we resigned to that? I think we are, right? We're at the—we're
1: thinking it's a when, not an if. Right, exactly. When is big though? Well, correct. Very big. Although he does know the offense walking in the door because he ran it with Hackett and Green Hackett's Bay. Hackett's running years his ago. offense. Yeah. Okay. So it's not going to be you can a learning say curve that.
0: for him. I want to see it. And, no, I get you, and <laughs> New York is not Green Bay, Wisconsin. It
1: is, it is not. It is
0: far uh, different. There's going to be
1: a, it is going to be an absolute
0: circus. When oh, he it'll shows be up.
1: three rings. Oh my gosh. Guy with a top hat the lion tamer with the whip, the whole thing. And a car with 15 clowns in it. That's right. <laughs> Half of whom are probably on the roster. Um, <laughs> let's get back to the phones at 803-0550, 888 550 What position is your dark horse pick for the Bills in round one of the NFL draft? We go to Dave in Clarence next, who's been waiting patiently. What do you got for us, Dave?
4: Hey, guys. Great show, as usual. Thanks. <clears> Thanks. <throat> Hartman's signing with the Jets only con- uh, confirms what I've been thinking. The uh, Dolphins, Jets uh, have really improved, and they're hot on our trail. Now, I would at all costs go for the top wide receiver in the draft, even if I have, even if the Bills have to move up to get him, whoever it is. And the reason I say this is because the window of opportunity for us, I believe, is at best three years, which takes us to uh, 2026. Now, I don't want to happen to Josh and the Bills what happened to uh, Green Bay a season or two ago, where they traded away um, Devontae Adams and they didn't bring in any uh, uh, wide receiver help for uh, Rodgers and the, the, the Packers suffered for it. If we don't get a, a top number two to help Josh out, even with the guys we've signed already, I think we're going to be at a deficit in the AFC East because uh, teams are figuring out how to cover and take away um, uh, digs. So uh, we've got to give Josh all the help he needs. Um, if we don't, I think the window of opportunity will close on us. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Dave. <laughs> Yes,
0: uh, you always want to win, and you want to win as many as you can every year. And the Bills are certainly in that mode as, long as particularly Josh, who's right, who is just, you know, cl- is sitting in his prime and making hay. No question about it. Diggs is right there as well. You've got these guys that are just doing it. You got Tredavious White uh, lined up. You got your left tackle lined up. You got your, you know all that stuff. You got some pieces in place. No question. I am not. I'm not in a spot where I think it's all or bust right now. Here's the thing and I've they're good enough now. They were good enough last year. Up until the time, you know, the Demar thing happened, they were good enough the year before and the year before that. So, they're going to continue to be right there. They're going to try and make moves that give them a chance to get over the hump, no question about it. But they've got the horses in the barn already to that can pull that wagon over the hump. They just got to play well on that day. They have done everything they do everything right consistently. That doesn't mean it all goes right. That doesn't mean every draft pick hits. That doesn't mean that even a majority of their draft picks hit. That's just the way the NFL is for everybody. Sometimes you see a team like the Jets last year who who it falls just right for them and bang, 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 they get three guys that are really good right out of the gate. They got the offensive rookie of the year, the defensive rookie of the year. You think the Jets are going to do that this year? There ain't no way. It's just not the way it works, so the, they're going to keep on keeping on. And one of these years, you got to think on that game they're going to play well enough to get to advance. But that's what it takes. It's not. I mean, this stuff here at this time of year it's fun to think about, and it's fun to you know you think, ah, to keep, the listen. The, the window is open. I mean, I, I mean, this stuff I hear it all the time about man, the window's going to close, closing. I, that window is still wide open. I don't know, nothing has changed for this team from last year to this year. And nothing needed to change. They won 13 games, and the three games they lost were flukes. That's what you need to think about. Just don't drop stupid games when you're up 17 going in the fourth quarter against the Vikings. Just don't do that. Don't wilt in the heat in Miami and lose to a a team that can't find its own helmet. By two after they butt punted into their own end zone. You can't lose to teams like that. Just don't do that. You're good enough now. Don't give me this window stuff. This team is a this team is a wrecking crew. And they still they're gonna be this year too. Just play good on that game day. Just just give me that game when you need it. Like that Baltimore playoff game in 2020. Give me Taron Johnson going one oh one for the touchdown. Give me the New England Patriots last two years ago in a perfect offensive performance. Give me the offense against the Chiefs the next week. I mean, they, these guys, are they're a wrecking crew. We don't have to – none of these draft picks are going to be the, the m- magic elixir that makes the Bills. <laughs> into. They place. are already a Super Bowl con- right now, today. This some draft pick we don't know some <laughs> this tight end from Iowa Sam, <laughs> Sam LaPorta! Laporta is not the he missing ingredient. He is not savior the missing Sam. ingredient. And I'll tell you that Jalen Carter ain't the missing ingredient. Nice some of guy. them may help. He's a nice, pe- but you know what I mean. Come on, they are they're going to be good because Brandon does his thing as good as anybody. Sean does his thing as good as anybody. They got some guys. They got it going on. The whole building has got it going on. The, and so, I this window closing stuff is just somebody saying it because they heard it. I don't believe it. I don't. They're good. They are good, and they're going to continue to be.
1: All right,
0: Ronnie. Trust me.
1: Okay. We'll uh we'll go
0: from that. How did I get so wound up? On I, this? I man, that yeah. I went from zero to we sixty. Cut back on your
6: Dr. My Pepper. My caffeine's kicking in.
1: We uh, go to Joe in Niagara Falls next. What do you got for us, Joe? You're on one bill's live.
6: Hey guys, just wanted to ask if you guys saw the report about I think it was Daniel Jeremiah said his number one landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins
4: was Buffalo. I uh, just want to know what you guys would think about the fit there, um, schematically what they would be able to do. And if there's any reasoning behind it and if it could even happen.
1: Yeah. Thanks for the call, yeah. Joe. I think we have to understand this first. The question that was posed to him was there are reports that Arizona is looking to move on from Deandre Hopkins. They got a total tear down and rebuild there with new GM, Monty uh, you know, and their new head coach as well. Um, Jonathan Gannon. So, they're tearing the whole thing down. So having a 31-year-old receiver on your roster just doesn't make sense. Daniel Jeremiah thinks the best fit for Hopkins is Buffalo because he could slide right al- opposite Stephon Diggs and off you go with a 1-2 combination that's pretty tough to top. But that doesn't mean he wasn't saying, like, the Bills are in talks with the Cardinals. He was just saying, if you need me to fit him somewhere, I like his fit in Buffalo. Because he would
0: love to go to a contender, presumably. And if you could work the finances out, it's a perfect fit but for that's that reason. The,
1: but that's the big rub. That, the finances are a gigantic issue because the Bills have limited cap space. Hopkins still has a giant salary; two years left on his deal. There would have to be some concessions made somewhere, unless the Bills, instead of trading draft capital, trade a player with a big cap figure the other way to clear up cap room for them. You know, like I know a lot of people have talked about Ed Oliver with a ten point seven million dollar cap figure. If you move that money off your books, well, now suddenly it's a lot more—it's e- a lot more realistic—to take on a salary of DeAndre Hopkins, who's in the neighborhood of fifteen to sixteen million. D. Hop this year base salary nineteen
0: point four, with a cap hit of thirty million. His signing bonus counts five point five against that. In in addition to the nineteen point four five, so that's the he's cap hit rest- for the, the Cardinals. He also got a restructure <laughs> bonus of three point five. Got an option bonus, so he's. His cap hit for the Cardinals is thirty point seven this year. Right, that's why they got to move him. They got to move him. Uh, and word has it they have been made it known that they would pick up some of the salary. So let him go and pay like a third of his salary, or a fourth of his salary, or a fifth, or a tenth, or a half, whatever it would be. You wouldn't have to pick up the entire base salary at nineteen four. That makes him more affordable for a lot of people. And, you know, obviously the Bills would kick the tires on that to find out. What about it? And if Arizona came back and said, yeah, it's two ones plus a player, the Bills could say, you know,
1: pound salt. Forget it. Right. So that's that's the rub. There's a but lot of would But he, he would be a fit in any offense. I, right. I mean, he is a ridiculous talent with meat hooks for hands – his hands I, I think are, his drop rate is one of the lowest in the league over the last eight years.
0: His hands are the size of
1: both my hands put together. Yeah. They're enormous. They're – yes. So, uh, he would definitely be a fit in any offense whatsoever. I've shaken hands with him, and I, I was like – Where'd my hand go? Oh, my God. I he's
0: And I shake hands with a lot of people in the NFL when I was traveling around doing all that. His were – it's the only guy I ever thought that were like, wow, look, no wonder he can catch.
1: We take a break here. We'll try to get to some final thoughts on the tweet sheet next as far as your door course pick for the Bills in round one of the draft. Be back in two minutes here on One Bills Live. some quick thoughts on the tweet sheet here in terms of your dark horse pick for the Bills in round one. Daryl says, tight end. The board may fall in a way that one of these guys is the best player available. I would expect the Bills to explore a trade down first, but if there are no partners, could be Darnell Washington time. Tweet sheet incidentally brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Tank says, safety, Brian Branch. Anthony says, I firmly believe this pick is traded up, down, or for a player. Wow. Jack says tight end and DT are my top bets. DJ says wide receiver because the Bills have not drafted one in round one since Sammy Watkins, 2014. Taylor says safety. Casey says edge. Rick says defensive tackle. Fans would hate it. I don't care. TPJW says if the Texas running back's there, do you pass and let Cincy or Casey scoop him? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I'm Well... I still
0: want to see a couple more people signed in free agency before we get to that point.
1: Yeah. Sharon says we need to secure a better O-line, much like Cincy and KC have done to restock their lines the past two years. And Josh says pass rusher is his dark horse pick. So a range there, a wide range. It's a big edge rushing group. That's a good one, too. Um, I don't know. <laughs> We might have a riot if that happens. I don't
0: know. Maybe I, I, it's hard to find a good one, man. They've been searching. I know. We got to
1: take, bre- take a break. We got to take a break because we're done. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow, though, at one o'clock. So we'll be talking more draft, more free agency. Join us at one. We'll see you then.